Hello, everyone, and welcome to Global Gurus. For every Friday, we explore stories of international business and speak with industry leaders operating around the world. I'm your host, Philip Auerbach at Auerbach International. Thank you so much for joining us. As most of you know, we start each podcast with a running segment called Faux Pas Fridays, where we explore a funny blooper or mistranslation that does not quite convey the professional image that your organization should want to project. And since today's guest has started an amazing program about teaching English worldwide, uh, I thought we would uh, have a blooper from the country whose English is perhaps the worst in um, all of the signs from around the world. And that country is China because their countries, their, their signs and their English leave a lot to be desired. There actually are whole books of Chinglish, as it's called. And this is an excerpt from one of those Chinglish books. And it's about a, um, I guess it's a toy. It's a, it's a stuffed animal or a cartoon or something. And it says, Fatty Cat Pippi, Pippi, P-I-P-I. Pippi is a very cute fatty cat. The Pippi cat likes to eat donuts. Its name is Pippi, a very fat, fatty cat. Its favorite foods are fish, cake, and sandwich. The sports it likes most is to bite the navel to bath. It is a very naughty cat. Whatever <laughs> all of that means, that's what it says. Today's guest is Dr. Liz Nunez, an awarded consultant, strategist, coach, and educator who has been featured in numerous publications and journal, journals. She is the founder of the consulting firm, The Pivot RX, and co-founder of English Speaking 101, as well as co-founder of the International Society of English Language Learners. And that is the largest private continuing education community and association worldwide, with over 1.5 million English language learners. She is creatively pioneering the future of English as a second language with her new neuropathology methods, and is helping diverse businesses pivot and scale in foreign markets with ease. Welcome, Liz. Pleasure to have you on our show. Thanks. I'm so glad to be here with you, Philip. Thank you. So um, I normally dive in by asking guests to tell us a bit about your background and how you grew up, where you grew up, where you are now, and how you gained your global experience. Yes. So I am a first uh, generation American. So my parents immigrated from another country to the United States and they came in search for that American dream and realized with their uh, kind of spirit or you pick up when you're moving from one country to another, you realize sometimes you've got to do something on an entrepreneurial effort to reach that. So they went through many entrepreneurial endeavors. And as a middle child, I was always the one there helping them with the paperwork and making sure they were compliant and translating things and making sure everything was the way it needed to be. So that was my taste in uh, business. Um, they were always pushing me to also continue and start my own business and do whatever I want because over time they were able to have a lot of success. So for me, that was the drive to jump into business. However, I was kind of running away from it because I thought it wasn't for me. Okay. So from there, what I ended up doing was studying. Uh, I went to school. I went through a whole medical practice, became a doctor of medicine, and 
push myself in that. At the same time, I always kind of wanted to jump into education because um, I am, my first language is English, but I first learned what we call the Queen's English because of where my mother had come from. Her father was British. So this is the English that I learned and then had to relearn good old American English through my regular studies. <laughs> so because of that, um, I've always had a, a love for language. It has haunted me, it has stalked me, and it has captivated me over the years. So I share that with others as well. <laughs> That's wonderful. And where is your father from? The Dominican Republic. Ah, okay. So did you grow up speaking Spanish as well? Yes, we spoke both languages at home, uh, mixed them in did Spanglish as well. <laughs> as well. And does your mother speak Spanish? She point? speaks Spanish and English, yes. Wonderful. Good. Um, thank you. So I, I understand that you've worked in many countries around the world and have a consultancy uh, dealing with strategies about bringing foreign companies into the U.S. or in English-speaking markets. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Yes. Uh, tell me a bit about that and how that, that works and what countries you deal with. So um, we've served various countries. Um, we've worked a lot with um, businesses out of India, Bangladesh, Nepal, jumping into um, a lot of Arab countries, Pakistan, Afghanistan, um, the whole uh the whole conglomerate, really, because when you start working with one one of those countries, you start working with the others. It kind of becomes like a, a cousin effect. Oh. And um, uh, we've also worked with a lot of Asian countries as well. Um, mostly what we do is, since I had experience from an early age developing a lot of strategies hands-on with a brick-and-mortar business, um, my parents' businesses started becoming something that became an international business because they started to delve in um, scrap and metal. So they actually started to import and export. So that was my jump into an international practice. So I helped these companies understand um, how to shift, um, slightly pivot, that's what we say, like a gentle pivot uh, that they need to make when they're jumping into these English-speaking countries where the culture is different, the language is different, how we approach each other for business, the mindset is different. So we help them to bridge that gap and bring their team as well up to par. That's fascinating. Can you give me some examples of uh, how, how you did that or with, with what countries you did that? Right. So one of the things I can say at most is uh, this concept of, I'm going to say uh, respect, and they call it, you know, being serious. In the United States, we would just say we're being professional. But for them, it's respect and seriousness. That's something that carries on throughout a lot of what we do. Um, we try to explain to them that the laid backness that they see in Americans when it comes to professionalism is not a sign of a lack of seriousness in business. So we try to help them understand that the culture is a lot more laid back. People have the opportunity, uh, for example, in some of these countries, if you directly translate how they call their mothers or fathers, they say, sir and ma'am. And a lot of us in the United States, we, we just say mom or mommy or daddy or papa, you know, <laughs> so that that really changes from an early age, how you view, how you transact with people. So that's one of the big things we work on as well as helping them to. Um, so what I mean by that is not undervaluing 
what they're seeing in this English market. It doesn't mean that it's not professional. It doesn't mean it's not serious and that people won't jump into working with you. They will. It's just going to look a little different on the surface, but underneath we all work the same. It's fascinating. In which countries do people, I mean, I, I speak many languages. I've studied many languages and, uh, you know, I know like senor, senora, mein Herr, mein Frau, and so forth. In what countries or what languages do people refer to their parents as sir, sir and ma'am? So a lot of Asian countries do refer, do give that name in home, in their home. They'll call their mom, mom and dad. But when they're in front of others, they have titles and they refer to their parents out of respect with the title. A lot of Spanish speaking countries as well um, say senor y senora when they're referring to their their mothers and fathers uh, out of respect as well. So that's a big thing, all of South America and also into Africa as well. So what you mean is when they're referring to their parents in front of others. Yes. Not what yes. they do at the home. Yeah. Some even do it at home, but it's not, it's not as, uh, it's not something that's as widespread. That's good. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, you mentioned about the, the, the seriousness and the respectfulness abroad versus sort of the laid backness in the United States. Are there other um, ways that, that you see that businesses are, are done differently, or businesses done differently in other countries? Almost oh, definitely. Um, so the approach, for example, let's say that I'm going, uh, I'm from another country um, and I'm going to get to know someone else for a business venture. The whole approach is not going to be like a wine them and dine them experience. I'm going to use that term because that's kind of an American thing. So we'll take them out for lunch we're, or it's happy hour. That is a, a very more laid back. And then right there in that same day, in that same conversation, you're already pitching them for business, right? That's a very American way. But when you're from another country, they're more, they want to get to know you. They want to get to know your family. They want to see how you are morally. Are you a person who commits and finishes with your commitments? So they're looking at a bigger scale um, of what you do with your company and who you are as an individual versus kicking back, having laughs, having a good time, and then seeing if that if it feels right or good or if the numbers click the right way to then jump into a business venture. Right. Um, yeah, this is the same theme that's resonated through other podcast guests that um, Americans tend to be very transactional and plunge into business right away, whereas um, most other cultures outside of even um, in North America, really, Americans and Canadians, the Canadians are more, a little more European, but not much. Um, but it, it's basically, as you were saying, get to know you. Um, ultimately, do I trust you? Do I respect you? Um, can I uh, can I value that what you say will happen and so forth? Um, have you found and that that this the 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 character of the person um, is much more important than the product, the price, the value, whatever the company is offering? Is that correct? As you would say. Yes. Yes, very much so. Sometimes price is not even uh, mentioned. When I am in a transaction with someone um, with a, an international business, they're just like, I like it, let's go. Mm. We, and we talk about that with not even with the, uh, the owner of the company, with someone else further down the road. Mm. Have you found, um, another guest had mentioned this also, that 
sometimes you're negotiating with the middle managers and the middle managers and you have great rapport and they agree to what you've suggested, whatever, but then it goes back to the CEO and the CEO may reject it and you have to start all over again. <laughs> yes. It's all that. Yes, yes, I have. Um, I think having having that experience and having an open mind to know that it's just kind of like, you know, when you uh, when you're a child and you ask your mother, hey, mom, I want to go out with my friends. <laughs> you're at first with your mom. She might be like, sure, but you need to ask your dad. <laughs> no, absolutely. Exactly. Oh, come on, dad. Mom said yes. Exactly. Come on. <laughs> Um, come on, Dad. Yes, yes. Um, I know you've done business in the Arab world, and to me, that's very intriguing, uh, especially because you're a woman. Um, how have you, uh, how have you been treated, both as a woman and an American, um, and as a Latina woman? Do they do they treat you the same way as they would treat white men, for example? Um, I would say that I really don't know exactly how they would treat a white male because I haven't had that experience. However, I would say um, time is in my favor. The, these countries are becoming a lot more flexible and open-minded. And it's also in my favor, my, my scholastic background. So when I approach them, um, many of them are, in fact, I'm a brown shaded woman and many of them are similar in my shade. So they actually don't look at me so much as per color, but more wanting to know my seriousness, my professionalism, how I portray myself. And I think it's also helpful for in, you know, just being very truthful that I work with a firm of people instead of it's just me standing on my own. So I believe that if I Perhaps if I was someone who just stood on my own alone, I may find more challenges than what I have found so far. Um, many cultures, especially in Asia, East Asia, well, India as well, um, they value companies that, that have a long history um, and that their inter interlocutor, their, the, pe the person they're dealing with, such as you, um, they they would tend to respect you more if you're older and have gray hair and you're still young and don't have gray hair, all of that, uh, unless you diet, but I doubt it. Um, so does that, does your youth, youthful appearance um, change anything in terms of the dynamics? At first, it is very misleading. I actually have over 15 years experience with, uh, with our consulting firm. Um, and I do have to oftentimes explain that because um, there's a saying, uh, African-Americans say black don't crack. So <laughs> because I, it again. they say black doesn't crack. <laughs> so doesn't crack. That's true. Right. So I look a lot younger than what I am. Um, but it is something that um, I think because of a lot of changes that are happening, especially technologically, a lot of millennials are having an opportunity that they didn't have before to have a voice. And people are finding that, yes, perhaps our systems need a little bit revamping and a little bit of assistance from someone with a younger perspective. So it opens that door for me in a sense, again, as well, like I said, uh, working in collaboration. If someone is younger, I would say working in collaboration with other people who are more experienced, who can vouch for you. Um, really is something that's that's more helpful and something that I've used a lot uh, over time as well. 
That's that's fascinating. That's great. Um, so you have a lot of, let's say, older business colleagues around the world. I do. I think I'm an old soul. So the majority of my friends uh, in general have are uh, maybe 15, 20 years older than me that I go back and forth with speaking. So it's been very helpful in that sense. I, I'm catching up to them. <laughs> That's great. And as they move, uh, move up and out in the business field, then you will become the, the wise guru as well. Wise guy. Yeah. yeah, passing it on to the next generation. Most definitely. Yeah. Um, can you give some examples of different cultural issues that you've encountered? Um, whether it's, I don't know, anything from dining and etiquette to, um, uh, greeting people or, you know, the, the way the way, behavior and assumptions and that sort of, those sort of issues. Yes, I definitely share. I am a picky eater. So a lot of business is done over food everywhere in the world, um, even if it's just getting to know someone. And um, it's, it's it's offensive in many, especially Arab countries, to deny what they're offering you to eat. So um, that has been a, an issue where sometimes I will just have to stomach whatever it is that's, that's being offered to me or insist on the fact that I'm just not hungry um, and try to instead nibble or taste things or push myself out of my comfort zone. As an American, we live in, a, I want to say, a Disney bubble where we we kind of get an excess, whatever it is that we want. So having that mentality and then coming and dealing with other people who are showing me their delicacies and the things that they love and that they eat snake and things like this that for me are <laughs> not my cup of tea. Right. <laughs> Um, you know, but I'm there to, I'm there to try to show them again, because this is an international business. Uh, I'm trying to show them my character. So I need to show them that I'm flexible. I need to show that I'm not stuck inside the four walls of my own experience, thinking that somehow I'm better and looking down at them because that will ref to them that will reflect directly in my business transactions with them as well, where then they would think that I would be less honest or that. I may be treating them uh, as a secondhand or a thirdhand customer or client when they need to have the, the best treatment as possible like anyone else. That's fascinating. Yes. Um, have you ever come across any language barrier issues? Most definitely. I think the biggest uh, issue is with the translator present. Um, for me personally, especially there are um, things that people use when they speak depending what country they're from, for example, I have a lower tone than most women do uh, over those who are around me with their voice. So what ends up happening, and I kind of wake up and go to sleep and the voice drops even lower. So with depending where you catch me on the day, my voice may be lower. So as I speak with people, I find that their expectation of what a woman would sound like is a little bit different. So sometimes, for example, Asian countries, uh, a Vietnamese woman, her voice is softer. She's sweet. So she's, hi, I'm Elizabeth. And it's such a pleasure to meet you. And they're really up here and really nice where maybe my voice is not like that. Or if they're a man and they're speaking, they want to have a guttural, very masculine voice. You know, they want to pick up, they have that kind of a growl to them, depending where they're from. And so I will, sometimes I've had to either be translating for someone or being translated to, and it'll sound like their voice is upset 
or that they're argumentative or that they're not happy about something. And then the translator tells me this, uh, what they're saying and sound completely different. And sometimes as on the receiving end, you're doubtful as to how factual that translation is. Right. Because you're trying to pick up the body language and the tone, the pitch, the pace the person is speaking to you with. And your your perception is American based. So you're thinking, you know, if they're soft spoken, that means that they're not sure they're insecure or that they're less. If they have a more their voice projects more, they're more professional. If their pace is slow, they're more serious. You know what they're saying? So there's so many little these are things I go through with a lot of people. There's so many small little boxes to take off there that um, you can think someone is saying something differently in a different way from what you're picking up. Body language, uh, facial gestures and expressions as well. Um, have you found that the, the interpreters actually are not, in, they're, they're interpreters, by the way. Uh, yes. People make this mistake all the time and it's, it's perfectly understandable. Yes, yes. Um, mm -hmm. interpreting is spoken communication, translations, written communication. Yeah. So the, um, the interpreters, if you ask them, you know, you're, you're, the, the counterpart seemed very angry and you, you seem very calm as you're interpreting for me. Do you ever challenge the interpreters and ask, you know, what was this person really angry about? I have asked before. Um, and, and just because there are some words that I can pick up in certain languages, so I have asked before, uh, <laughs> um, are they saying it as nicely as you're saying it? That's the, that's the question that I'll ask. <laughs> and then, you know, they'll answer me, um, how, however it is that they feel, or sometimes they actually take out the time and explain to me that, um, it's their, their cultural expression. It's not so much something for me to receive or to, to think of in a different life. Fascinating. Um, you, you mentioned about body language. Have you made a study of how body language works around the world? For example, um, Arabs are very much in your face. They're much closer than Americans are. Uh, Americans keep a distance of, you know, at least a foot, if not sometimes two feet with COVID, it's usually more. Um, but, um, yeah, and, and other cultures, you know, the, the, so people are much closer or the expressions are much more, um, you know, serious. You can't, with an East Asian, they tend not to smile a lot and you can't really tell from facial expressions. How have you dealt with those issues? Right. So um, what we what we try to make sure that people understand is that if you are trying to convey something that you would reflect with your body, it's best to put it into your words directly. So um, if it's copy that they're writing um, and it's going to be received in a written form to be very expressive as to how you are feeling or what it is that you're trying to convey while you are conveying the actual message. So instead of leaving space for a, an interpretation that's wrong, you know, especially when we're writing, oftentimes you you have you have that disconnect because you're not picking anything up at all. Um, but definitely just letting them know how you feel about something, let someone know. So for example, I would tell them, open up with how you're feeling about whatever it is that you're going to say. So for me, I'd say, I'm so excited to be here. This is great. And then I'll go into whatever it is that I want to say, instead of just being so cutthroat, going to business and expecting them to pick up what they wouldn't pick up for me. Um, because even some signs are different. Like, 
I'll say something uh, native to my family. So like the OK symbol in the United States is, you know, this symbol is that the same with the hands that you do, like, like if you're putting the three fingers up in a circle with your pointer finger and your thumb is very different from if, let's say, in the Dominican Republic, this is asking for a ride. So it's like a ride. Yes. Hitchhiking. Yes. Like hitchhiking. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So very, so very different. So, so there's, yeah, things that are done very different, like a thumbs up. I passed by a police officer once and the police officer gave me a thumbs up. I was on my way to the airport out of a country and I, and he gave me the thumbs up. He's on the side of the road. I give him the thumbs up too, because it already makes me nervous and I keep on driving. And then they start blowing whistles, calling all kinds of people because that thumbs up to them meant for me to pull over because they wanted to verify who I was, you know, being driven to an airport at 5 a.m., you know, somewhere. So then I had to show my passport and all of that. But we kept on going. Which country was that? In Nicaragua. We, we, in Nicaragua. We kept on going because we were just like, hey, yeah, thumbs up. Good day to you too. <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs> um, yeah, that's fascinating. Um, I assume you know about pointing, that Americans point with one finger and that's considered extremely impolite in most cases. So I teach people, you point with your, your hand or your palm. You keep all the fingers together. You point with your palm, fit a palm up if you're going to point or, you know, palm up or point out, but never with one finger. Because in many countries like Brazil, I think that it's extremely impolite, shall we say. Yes, yes. These are hard things to learn as a as a basic traveler, much less when you're trying to jump into doing business with someone else. If you haven't had that experience, you know, you're maybe you are a rock star or a maverick in your company, in your home space. But when you cross that border, <laughs> it's like when COVID happened and everyone all of a sudden is on Zoom or on a virtual meeting and then we're all feeling awkward. Uh, I wasn't, but many people were feeling awkward because they weren't used to being on camera, kind of speaking to yourself, so to speak. So, <laughs> um, What about the pace of business? Um, not, not the pace of business, but in many countries, um, like in Latin America, for example, traditionally there's the idea of the siesta and therefore everything is slower. And in Spain as well, I think not so much anymore since Spain joined, um, joined um, not NATO, but the EU. Yeah, yes. And that was so long ago. Um, but the idea of the, the slower pace of business in Africa, it's much slower. Um, yes. Do you find that this, um, you know, this affects your own interactions and, and how, you, how you deal in your company? Uh, for me, at first, personally, it was irritating because I'm trying to think of the best word, but that's what it's going to be. It was irritating or frustrating because I'm like, can't you just send back an email? You know, like... Because what, please? Um, I would say, like, can't you just send back the email or can't oh. you just respond? <laughs> like, how hard is this? But it it was it was uh, learning this over time and understanding that the conversation and the pace by which they make their decisions is a part of their regular living. And if I can't respect that, how can I, how can I think that I'm going to be able to respect them as a customer? So I always give in general, what I expect to receive. That's kind of how we're raised. But when you give and you expect, and you're open to the reciprocation, according to them, it's, it's much more helpful to be respectful and understanding of others as they're trying to do whatever with you in business. For me personally, I try to teach others as well to 
just already put in your head, you have your steps. We all do this. We have our whole action plan. We have our processes already written out, maybe on a sauna or Trello, if you're fancy, right? Wherever you have these things already, just make sure that you're doing your part and then do a simple follow-up, a very like a low pressure follow-up. Just if you're think you if you think you're in the loop and you're trying to wait for something to go through, a low pressure follow-up, just saying, hey, do you have any few questions that I can answer for you uh, as you're still, you know, thinking this through? or something of that nature. Um, because if they start to feel pressured, I have experienced personally and through others, a lot of loss from pressuring someone else because they start to say, I don't want to do business with someone who's going to be down my throat all the time. Mm. That's also fascinating. True. <laughs> um, what has been the most unusual or shall we say difficult country in which you've done business as an American? As an American, oh, getting, I would say a lot of the Asian countries, China specifically, getting used to um, some of the ways that things are done in respect to, to be very specific, I'm, yeah. I'm learning and dealing with my approach towards them. Um, and as, as an American in general, many Americans think of themselves as superior. I do not, but many do. And I actually have found myself in some situations um, where I'm dealing with someone in China and they have that superiority because of how they are taught. And so it's offsetting. So it's a challenge because it's like, I don't think that I'm better, but I've seen some of my clients thinking that they are in some respect. And so they butt heads with someone else who thinks that they are as well, who will even argue because of what they're taught that they are superior or they're better or their way is the right way. Or if you can't do things how I say, then I really don't want to work with you. And mm. um, a lot of things like that, a lack of flexibility on both ends has resulted in something chaotic. For me, at first, it was just kind of understanding where they come from and why they make, why are we even having the conversation the way that we are? Not, not what the words that are being said, but if you're sending me an email, what was the thought pattern behind when you sent me this email in the first place? So I've jumped into like a lot of uh, neurology the, my nerdy side kicks in. I'm really interested in the brain and how it functions with language. So learning that there's an area in the brain called the Broca's area. It's like the front in the front left hemisphere and it controls speech. But also, it also has been found to uh, work with social cognition. So a lot of times how we speak, our culture, our language affects how we perceive others and how we think others perceive us as well. And what is this part of the brain called? Broca's area. How do you spell it? B-R-O-C-U-S? B-R-O-C-A. Oh, Broca. Mm -hmm. I've never heard of that part of the brain. That's fascinating yeah. also. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, if you could give your your past self some current advice, what would you tell yourself? Hmm. If I could, I would say I had a very varied path to lead to where I am right now, and I'm pretty sure that I'll see some say the same thing a few years from now. I think giving myself grace to experience and acknowledge my different interests and let them form the path for me in the future, even though uh, inside and outside of business, but particularly in business, like I said before, I didn't really think that I would be a business owner. Um, so giving myself the opportunity to get to that place and 
being humble and learning along the way. So I would tell myself, it's okay to do the things that you think don't make sense of why you're doing them. Just keep pushing forward. That's great. Um, tell me a bit about the Society of International English Learners. Um, how does that um, dovetail with your consulting practice? Are they two separate companies or are they are these clients your business clients as well? These are two separate companies, but many of them are uh, clients of mine um, for the consulting firm as well. So with our society, we don't really teach English as a secondary language, uh, but we work with people who have been learning English, but have done all of the studies and still feel like um, they can't necessarily speak as fluently as they, they would like to. Mm -hmm. So we do a lot of practice uh, based on what I discussed about the Broca's area and a couple other kind of brainy based hacks that we use, uh, practicing tips. We have a somewhat of a safe space where people can practice um, and perfect their English. I think the biggest problem is people want to speak English to someone and be seen and revered. And so there's a lot of pressure and a lack of confidence when they are perhaps a very, a big professional in their industry, but they come from another country. Now they're trying to say what they're, what they want to say in English and they're stuttering or mumbling, or uh, even though they know and they understand clearly and they know what they want to say, it's uh, kind of breaking down that anxiety and also giving them tools to create muscle memory. I suffered a stroke uh, during childbirth and it led for me to have a speech impediment uh, called aphasia. So uh, language for me, like I said, has, has haunted me in some way. So I had to relearn a lot of that. And I teach others that by focusing and practicing and teaching yourself, you can better yourself more than just having a tutor in front of you and the tutor just telling you every single thing you're doing wrong. You need to get in the mud, get your feet wet and really practice it because that's when it'll stick to you the most. Very interesting. It's very true. Um, yeah, I I speak good conversational French, but I know I also have problems. You know, how do I, how would I really want to express this concept because it's not my native language? Yeah. It's just tough. Yeah. Um, what do you like to do for fun? <laughs> for fun. Um, I, I like to spend quality time with my family. Um, I think that that's something that I put, dedicate a lot of time to when I can, um, because it's it, feed, it feeds my soul. Apart from that, um, I really like to help others um, kind of start up companies. Um, I work with a lot of minority businesses um, and just helping them to kind of put their ideas and their thoughts in a structured pattern that can produce more success. So it's kind of a I'm, in this last year, I've actually had the opportunity to work with over 250,000 Black-owned businesses in the United States, um, just really helping them. Um, and when I say Black, I really mean even people of color, because mm. that's really what I mean by that. But they have, haven't had the opportunity to perhaps take their brilliance and set it in a structure that leads towards success. So I'm trying to always hear them and help them to put that into a system. It's like, what you're saying is great. However, you don't know how to put it in a way where you can execute on it, much less have others execute underneath you. It's fascinating. 
And um, how many countries have you visited or done business in? Um, I think right now we're somewhere over 62 countries, right around there. I haven't visited all of them. I wish, right. um, <laughs> but that we've done business with. I probably have had opportunity to um, visit maybe over 12 countries. And I'm looking to kind of not repeat the same ones and go somewhere else next time. <laughs> right. But doing business in over 62 countries. That's pretty impressive. That's at least half the world. That's pretty yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's so exciting. It really is exciting. I learned so much. Uh, one of the first things that I learned in doing business in that way was um, how our calendars and our seasons are so different. I was very ignorant in thinking, because in the States, you can just jump into a Target or a Walmart or a, it depends where you raise the Publix or Kroger's or wherever it is that you are and get a banana year round. You know, the concept of that day, there's seasonal fruit <laughs> or seasonal produce <laughs> blew my mind. <laughs> and you can't do that in other places, right? Right. <laughs> sure. You could get what's actually in the markets on the street. That's right. That's right. And you wait year round for like if you're if you're into mangoes, you wait year round for your mangoes to be able to then you flirt. That's great. Well, thank you so much. Um, this has been a wonderful, insightful talk with Dr. Uh, Liz Nunez. Thank you so much for joining us today. Liz. Thank you so much, Philip, for having me. So this has been Philip Auerbach. Please join us again next week for another edition of Global Gurus. And there are stories of international business. And to reach me and my company, it's auerbach-intl.com, A-U-E-R-B-A-C-H, hyphen, I-N-T-L.com. Thank you.